Thanks for tapping into The Shift is Real, a podcast where we have casual conversations about growth, discuss stories of personal transformation, and share moments of insight. I'm your host, Tiffany Wright. I'm so grateful to have you on this journey and excited to talk about these shifts. So let's get into it, y'all. Please be advised, explicit language may be used. Hey y'all, okay, so this episode is going to give you so much, it really is, but before we get into it, I want to state a trigger warning, we're going to be talking about some heavy topics uh, like sexual assault, harassment, abuse, and specifically rape. Um, We're not going into details, but we're talking about how uh, these type of life experiences impacts how someone can show up. So if these are very sensitive topics for you, I'm going to encourage you to skip this episode. If you're open to listening, I'm going to encourage you to take deep breaths and to keep an open mind and an open heart. This is an episode coming out from the vault, (laughs) which means that it is pretty old. Um, This episode was recorded in October 2021, and it's being released much later than that. So... The nuggets are truthful. The nuggets are relevant. However, since this episode has aired, there has been some changes. Um, Like the person that we're talking about who was engaged is now married to the person that she was engaged with while recording this episode. This is a pretty deep pretty deep, pretty raw, pretty honest conversation. And I didn't ask for it, but I am grateful that therapy is being spotlighted. So I want to encourage you to take a couple of deep breaths and open your mind as we get into talking about how you can heal your wounds while growing in love with someone. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tapping into another episode of The Shift is Real. I'm your host, Tiffany Wright, and I'm so grateful to have you in this space. And let's get into the shifts and transformations. Are you ready? So today we have a special guest. This is the third installment of our Transformation Through Relationship series Super excited, as always, (laughs) to have today's guest on. We met years ago, I want to say 2017. I have my nonprofit, Coco Coalition, and we typically, (laughs) pre-Rona, do all these amazing uh, brunches around the U.S. and throughout Africa. And this amazing woman, she was uh, a guest and an attendee 
And I just thought she was like so amazing. I mean, her confidence, her poise, um, she just had this like fire assertiveness about her. And I was like, I I want her to be my friend. And that's what happened. She became my sister friend. And she's just, uh, she's she's amazing. And so I'm super excited to have her on today. I want to introduce y'all to Mary. She's a financial advisor and astrologist living in the Washington, D.C. area. She's a left and a right brain thinker, y'all, that leads with her heart. <laughs> That's complex. That's complex. It means something. Mary. <laughs> she started a nonprofit with her amazing fiance, which allows her to support and assist in the development of underserved communities. She's getting married in late October to the love of her life. So today's topic mm-hmm. is going to be so relevant, y'all. Give it up for Mary. Woo! Okay. (laughs) Hey, sis. Hey. You know, it's it's funny that you say that because, um, well, those very nice things you said about me, I so appreciate them because that's exactly how I felt when I saw you. I was like, who is this girl? Like, I need to be her friend. Um, I was like, would she like me? I've never heard you say that before. So thank you. Yes, it's so beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, So, you know, I'm so glad that you decided to do the show when I reached out and gave you the topics. I want to know what led you to want to talk about transformation through relationships. So um, I just think it's the season of the life that I'm in right now. Planning a wedding. (laughs) Take a deep breath, girl. (laughs) It is so rewarding, but you, I I find that like weddings, holidays, funerals, they bring out different sides of people. Um, It brings a certain level of intensity of emotions um, and otherwise stable environments, you know, and I've had to do a lot of soul searching. I have shed a lot of tears. I have shed a lot of, you know, excess baggage of, you know, friends (laughs) who are now associates, you know, Um, and then I brought people closer and I just felt like I was not expecting that coming into this. And it was just such a shift um, for me transformationally. And even when I took a look at like my solar return chart, you know, because my, my birthday's in June. I'm a Gemini. If you can't tell from the bio, I feel like the bio was very Gemini. <laughs> like, I'm doing a little bit of everything. Um, so when I had my solar return, I was looking at it and, you know, it really spoke to dealing with um, mother wounds. It really spoke to dealing with relationships with others, growing my, my circle, um, getting in contact with new people and also, I think just like, I don't know what the word would be for it, but I was going to say refurbishing my friend group. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it's been a journey and it's been tough. And so I felt like out of the topics that, you know, you you approached me with, this was the one that I could probably speak the best to in the most honest way. I love it because I ain't never been married, but most of my friends is married and boy, oh boy, I... From afar, I could definitely attest 
to the things that you're speaking about. It's amazing how on a day to celebrate yourself and the connection that you have with someone, people make it all about them. Man. How yeah. the fuck does that happen? <laughs> I I just I don't understand. I I don't understand. It's it's amazing how other people's life transitions can yeah. overactivate people's like ego. Yeah. And you know what's crazy too? I feel like for most people, especially for women, um, or maybe just for myself, right? I was always kind of raised with the impression of you shouldn't be putting yourself first. Like, mm. don't be selfish. Don't, you know, worry about your needs. So it has been such a shift for me to have people celebrating me. Mm. And I have been so humbled by the people who have. And then the people who haven't, I felt guilty. Hmm. Like I was asking too much. Like I was putting too much pressure on them. Um, you know, and I think that that's something that probably a lot of women deal with. I mean, it is what it is, but I think that's always <laughs> unfortunate when you have to like let friends go while you're planning a wedding. That's really wild to me. It always happens. At it least does. one person. At least one person. It always happens, I find. It's crazy. I was very, what I experienced was I had people who I knew that I was close to, but I didn't realize that I meant as much to them as. I did. And they mm. really stepped up and they really celebrated me and they really went out of their way and they had a genuine joy about it. Like they were very happy to do it. And then, you know, you had some people who were just kind of, I don't want to say disappointing, but it was surprising. Mm. Right. Because it was like, oh, I thought you would be the one doing this, but you're mm. not. And you're actually acting in a way that I didn't expect you to act. And hmm. for me, that's something that kind of always makes me like self-reflect on like, and I think maybe just because I'm just very critical of myself. I'm like, okay, what did I do? Mm. That, have I offended you? I, like, did I not realize that we weren't as close as I thought we were? Like, did I have misconceptions mm. about our relationship, you know? And, so, you, so you started questioning yourself because of other mm -hmm. people's actions. Yeah, yeah. And then it was like, oh man, like, I hope they don't feel like, like I'm, I'm putting too much on them. Right. Because, you know, like I had one friend who was like, girl, we need to handle all of this for you because, you know, we're your bridesmaids. And one friend would be like, oh, let me like lean in and help you with this, you know, who wasn't even like a bridesmaid. And then I had some people who were like, oh, well, you should ask so-and-so to help with this. And then you go and ask so-and-so and so-and-so is kind of like, eh. Mm. Or like, yeah, sure, you know, or you know, and it 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 gave me a realization. Like, I think the biggest, most trying moment for me was that I had a person that was my best friend, and she was a bridesmaid, and we were both going through planning our weddings, you know, and we even like planned, picked our wedding dates with the other person in mind. Because I'm a bridesmaid in her wedding. She's a bridesmaid in my wedding. And we had a miscommunication um, that led to like the biggest argument. And that argument was so unsettling for me. Hmm. Like how it happened, what was said during it, that it actually resulted in me 
like looking at all of my friends with the side eye. Like oh, I became wow. skeptical of everyone. And I was just like, if she could do this to me <laughs> and she is the person who knows me best, then what the fuck are y'all doing? <laughs> like, wow. I was like, you know, and it, and it really like, and I, I really like spiraled. Like I was devolving. I became like super defensive. Um, something that my therapist and I have worked a lot on is like, you know, I have these, these built up defense mechanisms that started from childhood in ways that I protect myself um, whenever I'm hurt. And one way that I handle feeling hurt is that I do get angry. And it's that anger that drives me to take action, which, you know, served me at certain points in my life. But when it comes to maintaining and building and growing relationships, or really just being a, a functional human being, like an adult, <laughs> it's not like throwing a temper tantrum. It doesn't really do much for me. Like I have to mm-hmm. kind of let that go. And I really had to go through this moment of like why this was so like earth shattering for me. And it actually brought me back to this book, um, The Body Keeps Score. The Body Keeps but, Score, girl. Yes. Mm, yeah. By like Bart Van Dessel, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if something... I don't want to spoil the book for people, but everyone should read the book. Um, Listen, I talk about it on the podcast all the time, so it's okay. Yeah. Everyone should read the book. (laughs) Um, If you, if there's, what I've realized from reading this book is that if there's something like, because the thing is I've lost friends before, right? Or like my friendship cycles, my relationship, my experience, that person has, has, has done all that it's need to done to do, right? Like I'm good with it. We don't need to keep in touch. Like, there's no love lost feelings. Like I can think about some people whose friendships have ended in my life for the past couple of years. Don't think twice about them. Not in a negative way, not in a positive, it's just net neutral. And that's fine because you can't stay friends with everyone your whole life. Some people aren't meant for that. People grow apart. Things happen. You find that you have a conflict of ideology or values and it's just, okay, we're just not going to mesh. But with this, because this person was so close to me, um, it really stuck with me. And for the longest, you know, I, I had like three or four therapy sessions where I was just like hammering it out with my therapist talking about it. And what I realized, thanks to this book, it, the book kind of made this recall happen for me, was that if something is lingering, like if you have an experience and it stays with you and you still continue to feel it very intensely, like long after it's happened, it's probably a trauma <laughs> that's been triggered. Yeah. Um, because that is what stays like and the way that I was feeling in my body and the way that it was like making me mentally like paranoid, like I was taking little things that people were saying to me as like, okay, well you don't really care about me. Mm. Like, are you really my, like, you're not really my friend. Like you don't really value this relationship. Like I care about you more than you care about me. So like, Fuck it. Like, I don't need no friends. It's going to be me, my husband, our future kids, and maybe the dog. Like, (laughs) maybe like two or three people. I'm good. Right. And I was going to say obviously, but maybe not obviously for some people that may feel like a safer place to be when you have a very nuclear group. But I don't think it's the healthiest way to be. Like, I don't think it's really good to live a life where you're purposely pushing people away or you're creating barriers for some people getting close to you because you're afraid of getting hurt. 
And I think that sometimes, you know, depending on what you've gone through life, and I've gone through so many different types of traumas, anything you could pretty imagine from, you know, sexual assault to just verbal, emotional, mental abuse, abuse from parents, like, there's just a whole range of things. And sometimes for me, it can feel safer, but it reinforces that safety that I create for myself, that false sense of safety, all mm-hmm. does is reinforce the little thought in the back of my head that I'm not lovable yeah. and that I don't deserve fill in the blank. Like I don't deserve okay. anything. Okay. I'm going to need you to pause people. right there. We need to take a breath because <laughs> that's going to hit somebody. Okay. You know, sometimes I have these moments where people say things and I know that they like, this is a truth and they just said it. But I know a listener is listening and like, ooh, damn. That was a ooh, damn moment. And that's yeah. a really, really big aha. Like, that's a really big insight. I just, I think it would be, and, and you don't have to like go into like detail, but like, how did you get to that place? I mean, possibly with your therapist, right? But how did you get to that place of connecting that? I mean, honestly, so the type of therapy that I do is psychoanalysis. Um, So it's not the CBT that I think I hear and, and talk to a lot of people that they do. And so when I first started going to therapy, um, man, I would, in some ways I was so resistant mm. even <laughs> though you wanted to go even though I, yeah and you know and, the yeah. only, and actually the reason why I went the reason why I started going to therapy um was because so I had experienced a very traumatic um event when I was in college um a, a person tried to rape me they didn't rape me but they beat the crap out of me um and mm-hmm. it was like a relative stranger and um I never had any actual I mean, I did like some quick therapy counseling at my college um, that they kind of offered, um, but there wasn't anything really intense or done after that. And then I had also been molested as a child. And I would say that once my, pa- I also dealt with my parents, you know, um, going through divorce when I was really young. Um, so, you know, that's, I don't care how peaceful the divorce is. If, you're, if you get divorced, your child's going through some type of trauma. Um, just because the young brain can't really understand what's going on and how it doesn't revolve around them. Um, but then also when I was younger, I was um, molested as a kid. Um, and I also, you know, my parents were not the most nurturing. They didn't really pay a lot of attention to my emotional needs. Like my mom is very much focused on um, survival um, and kind of like, you know, paying the bills and stuff. So when I was kind of showing the effects of my trauma and acting that out, which wasn't even really bad, I just, I just got really um, introverted. I didn't really want to talk to people and I would just kind of go up in my room Um you know, that was kind of taken as like a sign of disrespect of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't want to talk to us. Like you want to close the door type of thing. Um, and you know, and then I also 
my, my stepdad was also very verbally abusive. Um, you know, I would get told things when I was a kid, like, you're never going to be shit. You're never going to amount to anything. Like, you're going to disappoint your mother, you're going to break her heart, like stuff like that, you know, and that was in the midst of them fighting and super complicated <laughs> um, to go too into the details of, but that's just right. kind of setting the stage for right. like, this is the environment that I grew up in. Yeah. And so for me, I became this overachiever. I felt like I had to be perfect. I couldn't make mistakes. Um, I also was not very trusting of people. Um, I think that me being, you know, my mom had a child with my stepdad it was kind of like they're a family and I'm on the outside. Mm. Like there are things that he would do for her that he wouldn't do for me. Like I wasn't, it wasn't, these are our kids. That's your kid. Mm. Um, and so I've, you know, just kind of grown up with this separatism. Yeah. And so I really felt like I had to protect myself. Um, and there were, a lot of times when I was seeing my therapist in the beginning, when he would say something that would be like, I remember when I first went into therapy um, and he would try and talk to me about my mom. I was very defensive of my mom. Mm. Like he couldn't say anything bad about my mom. Like my mom sacrificed. Like my mom didn't even want to have kids. So I'm lucky to even be here. <laughs> like I was like, and he's like, don't feel a way about that. I'm like, no, I don't feel a way about that. Um, <laughs> and then like a few years in, it got to a point where I was like, wow, my mom made so many mistakes. There were so many times that she could have protected me and she didn't. And I had all this anger that I had never dealt with. Because whenever someone would disappoint me that I cared about, I valued loving them and getting their love more than dealing with my hurt from what they did. Mm. And I think everyone, like, you know, it's like a dog, not compare myself to a dog, but, right, right. you know... <laughs> If you, you could get a dog and beat the crap out of it, and that dog will still come up to you and yeah. want to cuddle with you and be affectionate. Um, and it's the same thing with a kid. Like kids, you are wired. Your primary attachment bond is with your mother. It's with your parents. And when that gets fractured, it's how do you form attachments with others? Right. And you know, through I ended up starting with therapy because. Um, I'd actually had experienced a sexual assault when I first started dating my, my now fiance, um, like the very beginning from when we, like we first we were even a couple, but it had happened. Um, when I'd hung out with like a friend, um, and I found myself starting to spiral while he and I were dating, mm -hmm. um, like a few months afterwards and just being very sensitive and overreacting to like little things, like things that normally wouldn't bother me. And it was mm -hmm. kind of creating problems in our relationship. And I was like, I really like this guy. Like, what is going on? And I remember we had something, an incident that had happened where um, it was just something that happened like in our relationship. And I basically triangulated another person in. Um, mm -hmm. It was a mutual friend of ours. And that mutual friend was like, okay, Mary, like you're, you're bugging. <laughs> Don't talk to me about this no more. And I was like, Oh God, now I look crazy. And I was like, okay, I need to go see a therapist because something's really wrong right now. Mm. And so going to see a therapist and, you know, realizing that I had these patterns of self-sabotage and that I'm doing it because my brain subconsciously for the first, you know, like 18 years of my life, I was encoded with this, 
you're not worthy of love. You're not good enough. You have to do all these things for yourself. You have to take care of yourself. And so that was playing out subconsciously in my interactions with others, even when people meant well by me. And we got to pause. We got to (laughs) pause. Listen, you're, you're dropping some intense stuff like that. That's a big deal. I don't want to distract you from your thought, but I think it, first off, you know, I just want to give you all the hugs, all the hugs for having to endure all of that pain over the years. Um, No one, no one deserves that. And I just want to acknowledge your transparency and your vulnerability in sharing that. I know that we've had a lot of, you know, very intimate conversations about um, different traumas that we experience. And I and I just really want to say thank you for sharing that because I know, I know, I know that someone listening, like that's going to impact them. Um, I want to let it sit for a moment. Because you've done your processing, right? But for someone else who's probably experienced similar or even just a little bit of it, maybe they haven't been able to make the connections that you've made. Yeah. And and my y'all, right? Like we started talking about these inner dynamics within her because of the wedding, right? Because people became, or one person became not trustworthy. One person became unsafe. One person, um, one person, (laughs) I mean, I'm sure many people, (laughs) but like this, this very significant interaction brought up so much for her, right? And like, she's taking us through the journey of the healing work that she's had around this this area of when it comes to like trusting and connecting and being intimate with people, right? And and I and I just wanted to pause not only so someone could breathe and exhale from that information, but I just wanted to to just insert something real quick that going to your point of the body keeps the score and i and i say the phrase on the podcast all the time which comes from the notion of the book that the body keeps the score and it always wins and so whatever pain that you have experienced as grief sadness anger bitterness disappointment um shame guilt envy jealousy unless you do the work to really process that and release it it, it's held on in your cellular memory. And not only does your physiological body have responses, but your emotional body has responses. And this is why relationships, especially when you get in conflict, is, yeah. is so um, illuminating to both the strengths and the wounds and areas of opportunity that you have. So I just I just wanted to to give that context, and um, I know I may have distracted you. 
No, I that was great. Some, give, that give, was great. Context because I think for people like us who had years of therapy, yeah. we can move through these kind of conversations. Yeah. But it's a lot of people who never explored this stuff, right? Which is part of the reason why I have the podcast. Um, because people, unless they have that support, they don't know how to make these connections. Yeah. Like how your experience with assault it and and the uh, different forms of abuse that shattered <laughs> to a degree like your experience of safety and trust in relationships right and how people either really showed up and like that was soothing to you or over the years people who uh, didn't show up in certain ways or certain moments, how that still ignited that wound or touched that wound. And we don't realize how like those type of things that happened in the past come to the present because people often think like, oh, well, if it happened, it happened. It's not going to do nothing now. And that's right. not true. So right, right. I just so wanted often, to bring that in. So often in my therapy, like in the beginning when I was being resistant, I'm like, why do I keep talking about this? It's not mm. going to change. I don't get it. Like, I did not get it. And I think the thing that, like, hmm. with... So when you do CBT, right, you typically get homework and they, um, you know, you kind of have exercises that you do and you kind of follow up and you're working on a very specific issue. I was going to my therapy. And I'm not... And this is... I'm also just kind of sharing this because I think that for some people, CBT works really well. And for others, psychoanalysis works really well. Um, and you can maybe even do a mixture of both. And I think that for me, because my traumas were so significant, so young, and they had gone so long without being, you know, tended to that, like, you know, I was dealing with depression, didn't know about it. Um, (laughs) I was very unaware of my emotions and I did not realize how unaware I was. The only Mm -hmm. real emotion that I really could connect with instantly, and even that's not true, but it would be anger. Right. A lot of times I would like be in, and he's like, I don't, I don't know how I feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And that's because, you know, the, when I was younger, my mother didn't have time to really acknowledge or recognize my feelings. And Ooh. so for me, psychoanalysis was really good and it has been good, even though it takes a lot longer. Like there was sometimes I was like, I would come in, like me and my therapist, I remember once I got in his face. He said something to me. Oh yes, he told I, me about this. I was so close. I got. I was like, "Please, from face. I said, "What did you say?" And I had to like walk out the room. <laughs> I laugh about that with him now because he just like, and he's like a. I think I'm pretty sure he went. He doesn't tell me a lot about himself, but I'm pretty sure he's like a vet because he has like all this like military stuff. He at least worked with a bunch of military veterans, but he kind of like stared me down. And he's way bigger than me, and I'm just like. And he's from Brooklyn. Like, <laughs> he's like a 6'4", six, 6'3", six, black man, like, ex-combat. Like, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but that was my trauma yelling out, right? Yeah. Um, I really should probably ask him about, like, so what were you thinking, Dr. O, when I got in your face? Do you think I may have to knock a patient out today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it was... It was, I, I had to do the work to, to I'm, I'm still trying to rewire my brain because I right. had these defense mechanisms that kick in that 
make me want to go another path, but that path is not conducive to the life that I want to live and what the outcomes are that I want to create. And, you know, when I started going into therapy, it was because I realized, okay, Mary, you are just something like, this is not going good. And then I was actually able to get my now fiance into therapy. And at first he was very resistant. And then he started going more than I did actually seeing my, my therapist on a regular basis. Um, and something that I think is really important here is that there are things that he could not talk to me about year one through three. Like Mm. I was not ready to face them Mm. and we are having much different discussions now. And he's brought some things up to me, you know, that, you know, when this happened, like you weren't ready to receive that, but now you're able to actually reflect on it. Mm. And so bringing that back full circle, you know, with this instance with my friend, I was like, why do I feel so unsafe? Why do I feel? And I was like, and it was because I could not make sense of it, mm-hmm. what she did. And what it triggered for me was there were times when I was young, and I'm sure a lot of us have experienced this, especially if you grew up like in a working class back family. I think just a generational trauma of just being a black person in general is enough. Um, but if you think about our parents, you know, raising us in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, um, who did not receive mental health um, treatment, who generally were not aware of that, who dealt with parents who grew up during the depression, who were really on a survivalist instinct, you know? And the thing is the great depression, black people had been depressed for like five, six years before the great depression hit. The Girl, majority they was of depressed America. coming here. Okay. Listen, yeah. But if you look at the unemployment <laughs> rates, you know, and it's, something, it's something they don't talk about, right? But if yes. you look at the unemployment rates and you see all these things about how the Great Depression impacted, you know, white America, but black people have been dealing with that. And so if you take a look at, you know, how my mom was raised with her mother, and then, you know, my grandmother was raised on a sharecropper farm, which, you know, is direct root from slavery, right? Mm -hmm. One generation removed. And so it's like, you know, there were things that when times when my mom would deal with some difficulties and she would just lash out and just be really angry. Mm. And as a kid, I didn't know when that would happen. I didn't know why it happened. Mm. Like my mom, very playful, very like some of my, my mom is a very fun, loving, gregarious, playful person. Like one of the things I really loved about her parenting of me was how playful she was. Like my mom would play with me. And I know not everyone got to have that experience of actually playing with their parents, but my mom was just a playful parent. But then there would be times when she would have a bad day or deal with the stress and she would snap. And it would be, she just came in, the, the smallest thing would trigger her and I would not see it coming as a kid. And without having another parent there to kind of be the emotional anchor, um, that was really scary for me and very isolating. And so when my friend snapped on me in a way that I didn't see coming, and it was a person that I very much trusted and loved, that I thought of as like a sister. And, you know, even though we were able to work it out and she apologized, like, oh my God, I feel horrible for it. The fact I kept in my brain trying, I'm like, I have to know why. I have to know, like, but why did you do this? Like, and yeah. I was getting so stuck on this point and I couldn't just be like, 
well, because she made a mistake. Like, right. She over, like people overreact sometimes. Right. And so then I was like, you know, but it took me, like I said, like a month or two to get to that point. And during that course, I was just like, I don't have no friends. <laughs> I have nobody I'm by myself. I'm all alone. And so what I had to get back to was, you know, I thought about the book and then I was to myself, okay, you are feeling this way because this is reminding you of your mother. I'm like, you love her very much. You have a very close, like you, you trust, have a lot of trust in this, in this person, my friend. And when she did this, it felt like betrayal and it felt very hurtful to you. It was a very negative emotion. And instead of me trying to make sense of it, it's never going to make sense because clearly something in that exchange that you had with her, the alchemy of that situation, it triggered her for her to react outside of her norm. And her acting outside of a way that is, you know, because I'm, I'm very much a pattern person. I think to be a good astrologer, you have to be able to identify patterns really quickly when looking at charts. And so I always notice patterns in people. Um, and so her acting outside of her pattern made me feel very, very insecure. Mm. Right. And so I think that sometimes like the lesson here for me is that like, people are going to do that. Like sometimes people yep. do abnormal things. And I don't know all of her history. I don't know. I don't even know if she's done the work to see what it was that triggered her to act that way. Right. Right. But I can't conflate her issues and make them a me thing. I can't internalize mm -hmm. them and center myself around that. And it's like, when you think about your relationships with people, um, and I think specifically about with, with my fiance, soon to be husband, we talk about this all the time. It's so easy to say you're going to work on yourself while you're single. Right. <laughs> it's, I'm going to work on my jealousy while I'm single. I'm going to work on this and make myself a better person. You don't really confront those things until right. you are in an intimate relationship and you cannot Absolutely. escape. Absolutely. Like, yeah, because the work can be hard, right, mm -hmm. when you're digging, when you're single, but it's the mirroring experience of actually interacting with another person where you mm -hmm. really get to see where you are. And it's yeah. totally different. It's totally yeah. different. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like there's so many things that I thought were so far behind me and things that I didn't realize <laughs> were issues. Mm -hmm. But from being with my, my fiance, um, and I'll say his name, his name is Brandon. Um, being with Brandon, it was like, we were not perfect, but we were trying and we were yeah. putting forth that effort. And it's like, we both had good intentions and we were like, we're not giving up on this because, mm. you know, we both, I think when we met, it was, it was really like, I mean, you kind of can make it like a rom-com movie almost <laughs> um, because we met on a Friday he got my number. It was like in a group setting. We hung out until like literally the sun came up like as a group. We got up together the next day, just me and him at like 12 for brunch. I just hit him up out the blue. It was like, Hey, you want to go to brunch? Um, he was like, sure. We stayed out until like two, 3 AM just walking around the city. We, we ate, we just went everywhere, just walking and talking and like, I was like, oh, he's a great listener. He actually seemed interested. And, you know, like it, it just, it, it didn't get boring. It was fun. And then we got to begin the next day for brunch again. 
and hung out, you know, the majority of the day. Um, and then the next weekend, you know, we weren't together, which was actually ended up the, being the weekend I got assaulted. Um, and then we hung out after that pretty much every other week, every weekend, because I felt very safe with him. I felt very secure with him. And I had this like need to kind of cling, I guess. Um, but then I was also kind of avoidant. <laughs> and then it was funny because he's typically a very avoidant person. But at the time he was very much into me and he couldn't tell if I was really into him or not. And it was like, no, actually, I'm just kind of dealing with processing a trauma that had just recently happened um, and wanting to ignore it, which is mm. what I was used to doing. I wanted to act like everything was normal. And he felt like a safe person to kind of be around. Right. And, you know, it was just, we were able to open up and share so many things with each other. And it was just, we just didn't want to be apart. And then when issues come up, as issues do, we fought through them. But it was a lot of us fighting within ourselves, right? Because mm-hmm. he had issues with jealousy, Um I think I definitely was not the best communicator like I thought I was. Um, And I also think that I sometimes had a gap when it came to, um, I guess, being really intuitive and not intuitive, but making space space for someone else's pain or experience right Mm, like yeah if you hurt me and I hurt you in this conversation I'm so hurt (laughs) right and I need you to acknowledge my hurt I need you to support me through my hurt and it's because I didn't get a lot of that and so I'm so desperately wanting that that it's like I was demanding it without making space for his feelings so um, it's the it's the compassion, it's the empathy, and it's the grace. Yeah, that yeah. that that's what it is. Because when yeah. when you're hurt, that's what's illuminated, and you're one you're not actually mindful of how your response or your reaction has actually impacted the other person. You're not mindful of how the overall interaction has impacted both of you and you're not really mindful of what's going on in the other person. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens all the time. So I, I, I appreciate your transparency and acknowledging that because one thing that has come up in this series, you're the third episode is every time people have in every episode so far, there's a moment where someone acknowledges that they were in the wrong or they did victimize themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. and they did have to learn how to look at the other person's experience or from that person's perspective. So I think that that is, that, that is a beautiful evolving experience to have. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It is because I and I think a lot of it too, especially if you've been a victim of of whatever. And I'm right. I'm, I'm you know, some it's people don't call themselves victims, but you know, you right. you were vulnerable and someone took advantage. Exactly. That it becomes I part of your identity. It does. It does. And I think <laughs> that for a long time, 
and, and what I've also learned through lots of therapy in the book is that, you know, you recreate these situations. Yep. You're yep. subconsciously, right? And yep. you may be like, no, I don't put myself like, but you kind of do. You kind of yep. do. And you recreate the situations so that you can save yourself. So mm-hmm. that you can create a different outcome. Mm-hmm. But what happens is that when you get in that situation, you get paralyzed yep. from the trauma that's now being triggered. Ooh, and- girl, you you doing some things today now. <laughs> okay. But it's like you, you get paralyzed or you get angry yep. or you you get avoidant. Um, I mean, there's a few others. It's not, I know that the, 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 the fight or flight thing is not necessarily true. It's like five different things. Right. It's um, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so what actually happens is you do that, but your brain is trying to, to show you, Hey, you are safe. You can get out of this. And so you subconsciously mm-hmm. put yourself back in a situation. And then one yeah. of those things happened. And then at least for me in my relationship, I was like, why didn't you save me? Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't love me. Why are you not <laughs> protecting me emotionally? Why are you not <laughs> being there for me? And then I'm realizing that I could have protected and saved myself. Yeah. We didn't, I didn't have to be here. <laughs> yeah. And there were so many things that like, you know, I remember talking to my therapist and cause you know, when you, you, you deal with different things, I'm going to go two and two it because it also kind of involves my, my fiance's life. And I don't want to share things that he might be right. sharing, but there are situations that we were in where I felt like he should have been more supportive right. of me or been mm-hmm. the one to kind of step in. And he has his own history instead of trying that also causes a, a freeze flight, mm-hmm. um, fawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the other one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always forget one. And I, I had to take ownership. Yeah. And that was hard to do because I think sometimes you say to yourself, well, I'm not a bad person. I like, I'm not here creating drama. I'm not here doing this. And it's like, no, you're not creating drama, but you are existing within that drama. Wait, hold on. This reminds me of like the TikTok slash real sound that's like, am I the drama? Yeah. Am I the drama? Yeah. Am I the villain? <laughs> Maybe yeah. it's me, right? Maybe it's you. Maybe we, it is you. Because we don't know. We don't know all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. And, and and that and that is and that is why leaning into relationships and what mm-hmm. they can teach us yeah. and show us about ourselves is important because yeah. we don't know what we don't know. And there's so much that exists on an unconscious level when yeah. we're interacting with people. Yeah. And I think, too, it's a thing of where you have to you're not going like. One, we're pair bonding creatures. Sorry, my brain just went on to like three or four different thoughts and then stopped and went to the next one. <laughs> but <laughs> we're pair bonding people, you know, like it's like we are, we cannot survive by ourselves. We cannot be fulfilled. We cannot be emotionally happy. We will go crazy in solitude. And by having connection with others, right? Like I've had to examine relationship with my mom with my husband, with my, to be with my fathers, um, with my siblings, with my friends. I've had so many tests throughout this whole experience where it's involved me setting boundaries. Um, like I had to mm-hmm. uninvite a sibling to the wedding, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that was, was hurtful, but I know that it was the right thing to do. And I didn't do it out of, you know, spite or mm-hmm. anger, but it was out, really out of grace and out of love and compassion. 
I was right. like, we can, we need to work on this and function, work on this before getting here. And I think that when you're able to view each relationship as, have you, have you read The Alchemist? Yes. One okay. of my faves. Same. If you're able to view each relationship as its own individual alchemy, I'm bringing something to this interaction. They're bringing something to this interaction. Mm -hmm. And whenever we get into conflict or have a disagreement or something did happen, it's because of what we're both bringing here. Because Mm -hmm. every scenario, right, it's the multiverse, could have gone 10, 15 different ways. Mm -hmm. Every situation you're in can go a, a multitude of ways, but it's going the way that it went because of something that you brought to it. And you have to own that. And I think that when you own that without shame, because I think we a lot of times like to put labels and be like, well, I'm a good person. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I wouldn't do that. Or I'm not, I'm not a drama filled person. And then like, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, I had to say to myself, like, I'm not a drama filled person. I'm not. But if I keep seeing a certain type of drama happen across different relationships, then that's my chemical that I'm bringing. Like I have to own part of that and I can make that work for me or I can ignore it and act like it doesn't exist. But which one's going to give me the outcome that I want, right? Like how vulnerable and honest can I be with myself? And I guess this is also kind of like embracing your shadow side. Yep. Right. Of what, what's all of me coming into this because, you know, I can light up a room or I can set it on fire. Like, I can fuck everybody's day up. <laughs> I know I can. I can. The amount of, like, I, the fuck it that I have in my system to <laughs> just kamikaze. Like, <laughs> I have I have no issue <clears throat> with experiencing pain to a certain degree because I, and this is, like, old me talking. Like, when I was in my early 20s, um, I was just, like, I I metaphorically will kill myself to kill you. Um, not literally, I have, I've never murdered anyone, but when it comes to like disagreements or fighting or battling with someone, whether it's words, physically, whatever, I had no issue being confrontational. And I think it was because I had a certain amount of recklessness, um, and disregard for my value Mm. in life. Right. And when, and it's not even saying I put myself in dangerous situations, but when I say my value, I think even my peace of mind. I don't think I really thought that I deserved peace or happiness, you know? And even with the relationship that I have now with Brandon, I tell him this all the time. I'm like, the amount of intimacy and connection that we had and conversations that we have, I never knew this existed. When Mm. I was younger and I thought about marriage, I was like, I'm going to get married to have kids and then we can't break up. Because I'm not doing that single mother struggle. So my mom go through it. I'm not remarrying. I'm not dealing with the potential issues of my new husband having issues with my kid. Like I'm not, I was like, I rebuke all that, not dealing with that. And I think that for me, when I look at my life and how it has transpired over the years, I just feel so blessed and so grateful because I can say, you know, I think therapy saved my life. I think it saved my husband-to-be's life. Um, And 
what we have is not something that our parents had. It's not something we've ever seen modeled for us. And it's funny sometimes when we talk to other couples and hear about like their communication issues. And I'm like, what are y'all still fighting about this for or that for? And it's, um, it's a learning lesson, I think, in terms of the amount of transparency and vulnerability that you can have, but you have to get to the point in knowing that that's the actual goal. And that impacts your personal intimate relationships with your partner. It also impacts it with your friends and your family, even with people that you work with, right? Being able yeah. to have open conversations and being honest within yourself about how are you feeling and am I reacting or am I responding? Am I being hostile? And if I am, where is that coming from? And how can I do better? Ooh, yes. I think that that's actually the perfect note to end on. Learning how to ask yourself those questions. See, you you got, you got a good therapist because you lo- you know how to process it. Like that's that's what that ending note is, and. I, I really hope that y'all, I, mean, I know that y'all got hella good nuggets from this episode, but those last couple of questions that she just asked, I would really encourage you to write that down for yourself because that's the most important thing, honestly. Like she said, when you're moving through all relationships, those are literally the questions that I challenge my um clients to ask themselves when they're going through stuff. So thank yeah. you so much, sis. I really, really, really appreciate you coming on today. You're um, Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Yeah. I say, my therapist always says, he's like, be curious mm-hmm. before. And, and what I now say, and this is as a result of my last interaction with my friend is that if you love someone, love them enough to give them a blank page. Mm. so don't write out the answers for why they're doing what they're doing don't write Mm. out the the reasons or what it means right give them a blank page and give them the opportunity to tell you what's really going on but be curious in asking not hostile not accusatory but genuinely be curious and you will be surprised yes that y'all got that (laughs) it's the grace it's the grace for yourself the grace for other people, acceptance for yourself and acceptance of other people. Thank you so much. That's it, y'all. That's it. Mm. <laughs> it's a wrap. It's a wrap. <laughs> well, y'all, that's the end of today's episode. I hope that you got something from it. Thank you so much for your support. Please make sure to like, follow, subscribe, share this with a friend. I am accessible via my website, www.livethebelife.com. You can feel free to shoot me an email. If you want to subscribe to my newsletter, I send out newsletters once or twice a month. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, handle at the, T-H-E underscore, B-E underscore life. Also have a Facebook page. All my products are available online on Amazon, but they're also listed on my website. Hope that you move forward in your day, in your week, feeling connected to yourself and grounded. Hope that you just stay aware of the shifts that are going on within and around you because they're always happening. 
Don't forget, seek to shift, seek to grow, seek to be you. Until next time, be well.